verse 4. Because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David ancient, his ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snuggly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. Turn your neighbor and say, there was no lodging available. Horrible. So it's really important when you understand the Bible that you kind of dig into the moment. And so if we were to dig into this moment and dig into the time of Christ's birth, Augustus, Caesar, one of the most revered and powerful leaders in the Roman time, this man was basically like a god to them. They even gave him the name, they changed his name to Augustus because it means exalted. And they gave him this name because he was such an awesome military and political man. And so we see as we, this man, Augustus, decreed that he wanted a census. So family had to, they had to go and you had to pay taxes, which we love to do, where you owned land. Twelve years and older, you needed to pay a poll tax, you know, which is one nice thing for us. You don't start paying taxes until you're older, right, and have a job. But here in the day, 12 years and older, you started to pay a poll tax. And so he asked for a census to assess the taxes. For Mary and Joseph, this was a 70-mile journey, a three-day journey. And for the man, obviously, not that big a deal. For the woman, she was nine months pregnant. So that's a little bit more, it wasn't as smooth riding as, you know, riding in a Bentley, you know, or Mercedes or Beamer, this woman was traveling three days carrying a baby on a very bumpy ride. Three-day journey, 70 miles, nine months pregnant. Joseph and Mary were still not legally married at this point, so for them to be traveling pregnant, Mary and Joseph, they were looked at as socially unacceptable people socially unaccepted because they hadn't been officially married and she was pregnant at nine months old. When they get to Bethlehem, there was, says no family, no friends, even at the traveler station. They had a little traveler station. Every single place that they went, no friends, no family, none of them had no room. And you have to ask yourself, I wonder, was there no room because they didn't understand why Mary was pregnant? How come she wasn't married to Joseph yet? Because, again, it was considered socially unacceptable. So did they not allow them to stay because of how they viewed them and they were judging them? Or maybe it's because Mary was nine months pregnant. It took a little longer to travel to get to Bethlehem, and Joseph had to be very, very careful because we know all of us should be very careful with, you know, a nine-month, you know, woman who's pregnant nine months. You don't want to hurt the, you know, the mom or the baby. And so for whatever reason, who knows? But when they get there, everyone kind of said sorry. And I wonder for Joseph and Mary in this moment, was there rejection and shame for family, for friends, even at the local travel station to say, sorry, we have no room for you. And for these two people, they end up in, and it's typically described as a manger, but it's really more a cave. In this day, people would carve out caves and they would put their animals in these caves. And so the only place for Mary, Joseph, and the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the only, the best of the best that they could find, a place where animals were sleeping and feeding in this animal cave. And they had to feel rejected. I'm sure they had to feel bummed out. 
It says that the baby Jesus was wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, and they would do that. They would wrap tight babies' legs because they wanted their legs to grow straight. And so as they would wrap a baby in these Jewish days, they would wrap them very tight around the legs, and they wanted those legs to grow super straight. So for two months, they would keep these legs wrapped super tight. But they also did it because they wanted the baby to feel love, care, and security. So if we look at this story, which is so crazy to me, we see Jesus, the Son of God, he fulfills over 300 prophecies. Turn your and say 300 prophecies. So as you think about this, one man, one man to fulfill 48 prophecies, one man to fulfill 48 prophecies would be 10 followed by 157 zeros. So for one man to fulfill just 48 out of over the 300, 48, the probability that one man could do 48 of those, 10 followed by 157 zeros. So everything spoken in the Old Testament about where Jesus was going to be born, who he was, there's over 324 prophecies about Jesus, about the birth, about where it is, all of these things. And so to just to think, 157 zeros added to the number 10, one out of 48, it is absolutely amazing and crazy to wrap our heads to understand everything that Jesus came and he did. The writer Luke, he wanted to paint a really big picture in this story, and he wanted to give a very, very big contrast between two people. You had the ruler of Rome, this guy Caesar Augustus, a manly man. This guy was the best of the best. He was buff. He looked a lot like Brian. He was, he was the finest around. This guy was tough. He was tall. He was strong. He conquered so many different countries to form this Roman country. And so this man at the time who was controlling, he was manipulating, he was powerful. At the time, he was a man who got rid of government and some of the politics so that he could become the dictator. This man was revered, honored, love, and worship. Caesar Augustus. Luke paints the picture, though, interestingly enough, as this Roman man was ruling part of the world over there, there was another king who was born. There was another king that was born. And this king who comes to the earth, we know Mary and Joseph, God doesn't do anything, this doesn't sound weird, sexual, but he impregnates Mary by the Holy Spirit, it says. Mary becomes pregnant with the Son of God. Joseph had nothing, nothing, nothing to do with it. He didn't look at her and, and you know, bam, she was pregnant. This was done of the Holy Spirit. And so here's Jesus, the Son of God, who this predicted Messiah, Savior, and Lord. Jesus, who is God himself in flesh. And to see that as he's born, he's put in an animal trough. I don't know about you today, but how many of us can get a little crazy about, you know, sicky things going around, right? So we sanitize. There are sanitizing stations everywhere. There's a lot of people getting sick today. Still, no matter how much we sanitize, we still get sick. No matter how many times we wash our hands and wash our hands and wash our hands, wash our hands, wash our hands, we are still getting sick, right? Jesus, the Son of God, born and put in an animal trough? Yuck! Now, I wonder if us this morning, if we were going to be the Son of God, I wonder if we'd want to dictate how we were born, where we were born. We want to be born at Loma Linda. God, we want, you know, the finest doctors around. We want, you know, this and this and this. 
Jesus noticed that the Son of God, look at his entrance into the world. It was so humble. It was so simple. There was nothing that stuck out. There was nothing that drew attention to this young couple other than the fact that they were socially unacceptable, this couple, because they weren't married yet. And here's Jesus, the Son of God. This is, think about it, the creator, the life giver, Jesus, who says he holds life together. Jesus, who offers forgiveness of sins and eternal life. This is King Jesus. And so Luke, Dr. Luke, turn to your name and say, yes, Dr. Luke. We love Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke paints a very clear picture. And you know why he's painting this picture? He wants you to see the very clear difference in the time. And so we picture in our heads a very strong political leader, a group who took over a good chunk of the world, right? And remember last week, we talked about there was a group of people when, when they were waiting for the Messiah, what were they waiting for? They wanted a political savior. And so, so many of us today around the world, it's so easy to get stuck into politics and we're waiting for a political savior or Messiah, come and save us from the knuckleheads. Now, I'm not saying anything about the people who are on our government, okay, but the knuckleheads around the world. There are people who nonstop are talking politics and they want to debate politics and you're on the left, you're on the right, you're in the middle, do you ride a donkey or a horse? I mean, it's crazy how many different things people want to de debate. And the interesting thing is we've been doing this for thousands of years. The Jewish people 2,000 years ago, they were the same way. They were saying, we don't like the leadership. We don't like the politics. So we need a savior who is going to save us and deliver us from these politics. Getting hung up and getting stuck in the moment. So as Dr. Luke is painting this picture, he's painting this contrast between the Roman ruler and King Jesus. Jesus, who was born humbly. And one of the things I love about Jesus if you know, uh, if you have your Bibles, Philippians 2, starting in verse 1, it says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your heart tender and compassionate? Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly. Now, I love Apostle Paul. Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly. Because how many times have we said yes, but not yes wholeheartedly? How many times have we said yes to someone, yes to family, yes to friends, yes to God, yes to church, but not wholeheartedly? And so Paul says to the Philippians, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others better than you do yourself. None of that would apply to us this morning because none of us are selfish. None of us try to impress anybody. All of us are humble, right? And then he goes on, verse 4. He says, don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Verse 8. He humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ, Son of God, when he came here, 
says he didn't demand his godly rights, even though he was God. Jesus, when he came here, he was humble, he was simple, he was caring, he was loving, he was giving. This man, Jesus, this was God. He got in the dirt, not to play in the sandbox, but I'm sure he did as a little kid. He played in the dirt. He got to people where they were dirty. The place of his birth, this was not a clean place at all. This was a very dirty, disgusting, stinky. I don't know if any of you have pets. We have, you know, a, a golden retriever dog who's almost two and then a little puppy. A little girl and our little girl we're teaching her to potty train but I can't say it's going so well sometimes some days and so it's amazing how when you, you're trying to teach a little animal where to go to the bathroom how it could sink up a place right Jesus was born in a spot where animals were pooping and peeing everywhere this is the son of God do you see the humble picture of God himself coming to the earth to say here I am. There's no flashing lights. There's no dancing and people waving around, you know, flags and banners. He goes, it's just me. I'm here. Jesus, painting this picture. Joseph and Mary in this story, I wonder how rejected, how humiliated they were, even to be the mother of Jesus. You know, because how many of us have ever had doubts about someone or something? You know, when someone says, I love you, and you're kind of like, eh, I don't know if they really do, you know? Your boss says, I'm going to promote you, but it never happens. You're like, <sighs> Mary's told by God that she's going to carry this baby inside of her that's going to be the son of God. And I wonder over nine months, and I've never carried a baby, thank you, Jesus, but I wonder over nine months, how many different thoughts you women have about this baby that you were carrying? How many different things are you thinking and, and dwelling on your mind other than chocolate ice cream, you know, and prime rib? Just kidding. None of you guys ever think about that, right? Some people have cravings that I hear. So I wonder for Mary in this story, the nine months, I wonder how rejected she felt nine months of carrying a baby that wasn't, that wasn't Joseph's. I wonder how humiliated she was everywhere she walked, everywhere she talked. And so for this young couple, you had Jesus born in humble circumstances, but you had two people, a man and a woman, who were also willing to be humble, they were willing to be simple, and they were willing to be obedient. They were willing to say, yes, God. Isaiah 66.1, Isaiah 66.1 says this. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as this? Could you build me such a resting place? My hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those, God says, who have humble and broken hearts and people who take my word serious. What's it about being humble? What's the deal with realizing who we are and who God is? God says, I will bless those who are humble and broken and who take that serious. So if we were to take a step back and say, okay, how is this story, the birth of Christ, how does it apply to us today? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. How does it apply to us today? Number one, we see a couple who are willing to answer, yes, God. And I wonder how many of us have been given a task by God that he's waiting for you to say yes. I wonder how many of us God has asked and spoken things over and over and over again, and all he's waiting for is a simple yes. There was a man named Jonah. I don't know if you guys remember that. Here's a man, God said, I want you to go and deliver a message to these people over there. But you know what? 
He didn't like the people over there. He didn't care for the people over there. He didn't want to go and deliver that message because, you know what, honestly, he would rather them burn in hell than turn their hearts to God. This was a prophet of the Lord, Jonah. God was saying, hey, after how many times have he, has Jonah answered the call and said, yes, Lord, when God comes to him and says, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach, instead of saying yes, what was it? It was no. You know what happened to poor Jonah because he said no to God? He gets on a boat. There's a storm. Everyone's freaked out. They start throwing stuff off the boat. Jonah finally admits, hey, this storm is going on because I'm not saying yes to God. Throw me in the water. They throw Jonah in the water. As soon as they do, water, the storm stops. Everything becomes still. He gets swallowed by a whale. This was a big whale. For three days, this man is stuck in a whale. Why did Jonah go through all this trouble? Why? Because he didn't want to say yes to God. How many people today are facing storms? How many people are going through ups and downs and they're going all around in circles and mountains and hills and valleys and peaks and this? Why? Just like Jonah? Because they're not saying yes to God. And I wonder this morning how many of us God is saying, I'm just waiting for you to say yes. I'll calm your waters. I'll provide. I'll heal. I'll do this. I'll do that. But I'm waiting for a yes. And so we see in the story today, Mary and Joseph, they were willing, they were humble, and they were obedient. And they said yes God. Number two. Turn your hand and say number two. After a coffee break. Which will be my last sip because it is no longer hot and I do not like lukewarm poo-poo coffee. It's got to be hot. Faithful. Number two is faithful. Because how many of us have learned, how many of us have said yes to something, but then have changed our mind and said, ah, no, 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 it's a little too scary. I don't want to, I, I want to go skydiving, and then you get up in the plane, you look down, you're like, ah, oh, no way. Which, that's the ultimate. Nothing like when I was 18 years old, and the guy says, are you ready to go? And before I can answer, he pushed me out of the airplane. I didn't have the chance to say yes or no. And I wonder this morning how many of us, we say yes. It could be to friends. It could be to family. And even to God, yes, God, I will do this. But how many of us know sometimes when we say yes to God or to someone, all of a sudden we get faced with a dilemma? There is so many people who are facing so many dilemmas today. And so for some reason in our minds, we think the minute we say yes to God, Life is absolutely perfect. Life is absolutely wonderful. I don't know about you, but I don't think Mary traveling 70 miles, nine months pregnant, I don't think she was in the best of moods. She probably was happy. She probably was sweet and kind to Joseph. I'm sure she was nothing but all smiles, right? Peaches and cream. But I can't imagine for this lady who said yes to God, yes to God, yes to God, at some point did she question and say, why did I say yes? I wonder for this lady in this story, did she ask, why? And so for many of us, there's a test of faithfulness. Because the minute we say yes, the minute that we, we say yes to God, there's a test of faithfulness. Because as soon as we say yes, how many of us know that life can become a little uncomfortable? Life can become a little bit challenging. And how many of us have seen today, in our day and age, if I get, have to get out of my comfort level, the answer is no way. 
If I have to do stuff that's beyond me, no way. If I have to do something that costs me too much, that takes too much of my time energy, it's going to hurt my back, I can already feel my back hurting, heck no, I am not going to be faithful if you're going to affect my comfort level. Number three, stop. How many of us love stop signs? You know, it's so fun when your kids get older because they see you breaking the law. And I can't tell you how many times I've gotten to a stop sign and I haven't fully stopped. And it's like, ah, Dad, hello. Aren't you going to stop? Or, you know, cruising through, hoping that that yellow light's going to stay yellow for just two more seconds and it turns red, you know, even before you get to the line. And so God in this story said, number one, he's looking for people to say yes. Number two, he's looking for people to be faithful. Number three, he's looking for people to stop judging. Stop being so judgy. Elbow your neighbor and say, stop being so judgy. Don't elbow too hard because we don't want you to break anything. Stop being so judgy. See, because our own expectations, our own desires, our own jealousy, our own insecurity, our own childhood issues, our own expectations, our own desires, our own jealousy, our own insecurity, our own childhood issues can cause us all to miss what God is saying and what God is doing. And you know what I love about us as humans? We have not changed the last 3,000 years. 2,000 years ago, when you look at this story, the religious people did not want to see Jesus as the Messiah. They expected the Messiah to be born in a palace, not in a manger. So from the very beginning, they're thinking, he's got it all wrong. If this was the Messiah, he'd be born in a gold bathtub, right? We'd be doing bubble baths and all kinds of fun stuff. The religious people in this day, they, what they expected of the Messiah, they missed what God was saying. They missed what God was doing. Just like many of us today, our religious expectations of God sometimes and of each other, it stops us from seeing what God is saying and what God is doing. So many people, when Jesus walked the earth, I don't know about you, but if I see a man walk on water, I'm pretty amazed. If I see a guy raise the dead, I'm like, count me in. But how many people still, no matter how many thousands of people were healed, eyes, blind eyes were open, ears that were deaf were open and they could hear again. They saw this all the time. Lepers, people completely healed of their leprosy. Handicapped people were completely healed. But still, no matter how many things, powerful things, Jesus did. You had people who doubted. You even had Doubting Thomas one of his boys. You had Judas, one of his boys, one of his disciples who betrayed him for 30 coins, greed, money, the expectation of what Judas had in his mind. His greed was more powerful. Money was more powerful in his head. Judas thinking to see Jesus for who he really was. Doubting Thomas, he doubted when Jesus died and rose again. He doubted and said, I will not believe until I see Jesus by myself. And so number three, we need to stop being so judgy. Because God puts people in your life every single day, and you're not to judge them, you're to love them. You're not to judge them and let your expectations and your feelings and emotions and desires get in the way. Stop being so judgy because you're going to miss what God is saying. And then also we have to say when our faith in God 
We can't be so judgy and expect everything all the time. If we're expecting perfection, if we're expecting God to be like a genie, if we're expecting God, we just snap our fingers, we clap our hands, and bam, it happens. You're going to miss something. You are absolutely going to miss what God is saying and doing. So number three, stop being we all, because I judge too sometimes, I know. I don't got to admit that publicly. But we all do. It's in our nature to have expectations and desires that are incorrect, and even when we talk to people and think about people. There was a philosopher who said that in the 1900s, faith in God will die. And you know why he said this? You know why this philosopher said that in the 19th century, faith in God will die? And the truth is, you know what? It has happened. Because people are turning away from the Catholic Church, and they're turning away from Christianity. Why? The cause, the root. Because people in the old day, you got to imagine dirt roads, buggies, Gotta imagine houses that were built with, you know, straw and, and you know bricks and toilets that we don't even go to that 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 kind of area back in the day. What those were like, people back in the day they fully expected and relied on God. They didn't have technology like we do, and so why did this philosopher say that in the 19th century faith in God will will start to die? Because we stop expecting of God. And here's the big one. We start expecting of ourselves and each other. We start taking God out of the picture, and we start expecting more of each other and more of ourselves. And I have to say, let's be 100% honest this morning. How many people are running around like chickens with their heads cut off, lost, confused? They're out of it. And you know why? Because the expectations, they have taken them off God. Who is the only one who can handle you? Believe it or not, it's God. The only person, no offense, who can handle me and my good, my bad, my ugly, my sweet, my wonderful. The only one. God can only handle me. God can only handle you. But people have taken their expectations from God. He is the only one who can carry and hold the sin of the world. Jesus is the only one who can offer eternity and eternal life. And we've taken expectations, and we've turned to Google, and we've turned to technology, and we've turned to everything but God. And this mindset has even crept into the church, and so there's things that we don't expect of God anymore, we just expect it of ourselves and each other. And that's why faith has begun to die. Number four, stop and watch your expectations. Watch the misguided expectations. And lastly, we get to Jesus, who is obviously the center of attention, the center of the Christmas season. And so, hallelujah, Christ Jesus is born. At the time that he was born, there was no available room from anywhere except in a cave. And I wonder this year how many of us have been so busy and so distracted in the same mindset and the same feeling. We have left no room for King Jesus as well. How many people in our world have left no room? How many of us know people who are yearning to be healed, people who are yearning to be provided for, people who are desperate, yet no matter how desperate the situation is, still leaving no room for King Jesus. This is the day, this is the season, and this is the time. And, and the more I think that we would see 
the more that we would begin to read, the more that we would just think of Jesus and how awesome and amazing this guy, this God, this guy is Jesus. If we would really, really honestly spend more time focusing on how awesome and amazing our God is, this guy, Jesus, it's mind-blowing. Because every one of us, every friend that we have, every family member that, we, that is in our life, and those that we've pushed out of our life as well, for every friend, for every family, for every stranger, every person deserves an opportunity to meet King Jesus. Because no matter how good we are, no matter how amazing we are, we don't, we can't forgive someone else's sins. Yes, we can forgive someone when they wrong us, but God alone, Jesus Christ, can forgive of all the sins. He died on a cross. It says that anyone who dies on a cross or wood is cursed. Jesus took the curse of sin and death, and he bore that on himself when he died on that cross. Jesus took away our curse. He came to this earth and took away our curse, our sins, our suffering, in our place. I don't, Jesus is saying, I don't want you to suffer. I don't want you to have to go through this. I don't want you to go here or there. I did it for you. And there is no one, there is no man, no girl who is a savior on this planet. It is only King Jesus. And so I showed that video this morning. Turning around and say, aren't babies so cute? Babies are so cute. You know, I do have to say, when babies are born, they have a very unique smell, and it is so precious. That, that baby smell, it is just the most wonderful thing in the world until they poop a peep it. You know, it is most of the time, because how many of us know when we grow from babies to being older, we don't smell as good as we used to, right? That baby smell is so unique. And I wondered this morning, because we can get stuck on so many different things. Have we ever got stuck in our head the picture of baby Jesus and we've never allowed Jesus to grow up into the man that he became, into the God that he was, who lived, who healed, who taught, who showed by all the different principles that are laid out in the Bible. Jesus, how many people get stuck in a picture and an image of baby Jesus? Baby Jesus wasn't a teacher and he wasn't a healer at the time that he was born. He went on to do that. But how many of us could get stuck in our minds? Baby Jesus, baby Jesus, he's so cute and sweet. But do we allow that baby Jesus to grow up to be the man that he is, to be the man who saved, to be the man who died, the man who died on a cross, and three days, three days later he came back to life? Do we allow that Jesus into our heart, into our life, and do we allow that Jesus, do we share? You know, this time of year, one of the greatest things about Christmas is the, the giving of gifts because we, we give and it's so fun to give. It's not really fun to receive gifts. Just kidding, it is a little bit, right? But how many of us enjoy gift giving and exchanging of gifts? How many of us enjoy that, you know, that time of waking up and seeing kids get excited to see presents, whether it's on a table or under a tree, presents anywhere, any kind of present, any kind of anything new, right? It's so exciting, these gifts that are just so wonderful. And I'm sure for all of us this morning, nothing about this season Nothing about this time, nothing about money, nothing about what we've given, nothing about what we've prepared 
has stopped us from stopping to say, God, you're the reason for this season. God, you're the reason. You're my reason. God, you've given me hope. Our theme has been the reason this season and beyond 2023 as we close out our, our theme next week. And I'm super pumped about next week and all the goodness that's going to come the last Sunday, the last day of the year. But as we do, as we focus on this last week, the last week of 2023, I, can, I can't believe that it's over. I can't believe that in a week we are going to be in 2024. It's just it's crazy. It's mind-blowing how fast this year has gone. So as we kind of circle back and think from the story today, from the reflection today, from the video today, from all the things that we've said, all the things that we've done, one, is there anything that your God is saying I need you to say yes to? Number two, is there anything that God's saying I need you to be faithful to? Stop giving up. Stop when it's out of your comfort level to give up. Number three, is there anything that God is saying stop the judgment? Stop being so judgy. Number four, is there anything God is saying, stop all the expectations? Remember, God alone can handle them. We can't handle each other's expectations. How many of us know we can't, as humans, we can't handle each other's expectations? God only can handle you and me. And lastly, baby Jesus grows up to become a man and does so many awesome and amazing things. And I can't tell you this story, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to see who he was, to see what he did, to see what he taught, to see all those things, to see the people that he hung around, the people that he defended, the people that he was willing to fight off for, the people that Jesus stuck up for, the people that Jesus was willing to go to bat for the people that Jesus every single day he fought for every single person who was lost hurting poor confused Jesus who cared so much about people he was so compassionate every time he saw people he was consumed with love and gratitude for people Jesus this Jesus if you allow him to be your focus and if you allow the season and the reason to be Jesus alone God's got something good for you. Let's pray.